Hello, and again, welcome to BitDevs. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me with the power of the internet is... Katie Chinakis. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, let people know, uh, who are you, what do you do, all of the many things that you do. What do I do? <laughs> what I don't do is a shorter question, <laughs> but uh, I'm a creator. So that's what I live for. I just create. I love to inspire. I love to be inspired. I travel the world, um, you know, all around the world, just looking and seeking and feeling everything that was offered uh, to us as human beings on this planet. And I went on a soulful, soul-seeking journey, writing poetry, culture, language, food, just listening to music, watching films, and just in the arts. So I'm a complete art head. I love painting, poetry. I'm in the movies, on TV. I do voiceovers. I just dropped an album called Dreamland 1111. It's streaming everywhere. It's um, I grew up in the Detroit underground music scene. I grew up um, with EDM and Motown, like melodies and harmonies. So um, I love dubstep, all EDM music, and the the and I put poetry on top of the beats that I make. And it's all about divine femininity, and not only divine femininity in females, but in all genders, and breaking down stigmas and generational traumas of uh, a gender role and, you know, it being okay to cry, it being okay to express emotions, no matter what anyone else says or feels. So um, it's in my heart, soul's journey to um, interconnect all aspects of life, identity, and art through, you know, through kindness and through creation. Yeah. So the best way to, I guess, represent that would be just like pure artist. So I guess, how did you begin in creating art or were you ever not making art really? <laughs> I mean, I think it came before I actually showed up um, to the planet because what you just said, pure artist, in the book of names, Katie means purity. And I'm named after the saint, Saint Kiriaki. I'm named after my Yaya, who's my best friend. She's amazing. And Kiriaki means Sunday in Greek, the Lord's day. And she was a saint. She was a martyr. And so um, with the divine femininity and the divine, uh, the divineness of just life itself, it's itself. It's like I was born on 11-11, my dad's birthday. So I think there's a lot of synchronicities Um before I even maybe had a choice, you know, it was, it was a certain attune and alignment of my divine purpose being here, you know, which is, I feel like being one of God's angels, you know, make an impact and utilizing my voice, um, you know, in, in many ways to inspire people. But I started singing, uh, with the broom when I was a kid in diapers, we still have those VHS tapes, right? Um, so yeah, I was, watching comedies, watching TV shows as a kid. And I would just get so excited about like Rainbow Bright and My Little Pony and um, the Care Bears and all the colors and the voices. And, and I went on to doing voiceovers and it's just so much fun. Animation is the most fun for me. And I feel like I'm a walking, talking cartoon character in life, you know? Um, what is existence? What is really real? But those, I kind of just, you know, observed now reflecting back that's how I got started just being exposed to D TV film being exposed to music being exposed to Motown growing up going to church with my family listening to Casey Kasem and then growing up in the Detroit underground uh, music culture when all the 
biggest international DJs from around the world were coming to my backyard when I was a kid and I didn't have to jump on a flight and go to a festival and pay thousands of dollars. And I would literally be right next to them. And it was before DJs became, I guess, celebrities in Western civilization, really down to earth and really cool. Um, But then I started um, studying the craft of acting, you know, when I was um, a, a teenager. And before that, I guess my education through the craft of acting was language and poetry and being exposed to Plato and Socrates, um, you know, the Republic and reading quotes by Mark Twain and Maya Angelou. So just really going to my fellow poets who have always spoken to my soul um, was the first artistry language that I had before I started actually getting into class and studying acting. Yeah. Uh, So I guess... When did that sort of officially kind of hit as a career or was it always there on the side or yeah, like how did, how did that kind of become your life? Well, I grew up running cross country and so my dad was a cross country runner and he turned me on to cross country running and it taught me about short term, medium term, long term goals, which gave me the structure of being an artist. It gave me the structure of being in entertainment and understanding workplace environment, showing up what I do as an individual affects the whole, having a short-term, medium-term, long-term goal, knowing the macro, paying attention to the details and nurturing relationships because the entertainment industry is a long journey. You know, it's a career, not a one-off. Although if you show up to a commercial set or you know, you're a day player and you show up to TV for for a day, but you're booking all these, you're going, you're auditioning, you're auditioning. It's like practicing, 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 running 50 miles a week. But then when I get booked for, you know, a campaign and I show up for the day and it's done, it's like, oh, it was just like a a one-off thing done. No, but it's like, there's so much work and preparation that goes into showing up and working as a day player or, you know, being booked on a campaign for a day or a week. Um, So I feel like growing up with literature and then growing up with cross country, it really gave me the structure of the mindset for business um, and how to interact with my fellow peers. Um, But, um, you know, being a kid, I was involved in a couple beauty pageants and I won Miss Michigan Teen Motor City when I was a teenager. And uh, when I won, I won a modeling contract as well. And I won a modeling contract with one of the top agencies at the time. It was the talent shop. And Mary Fashoni was the judge. And she's my dear friend to this day and has her own agency in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Unique models and talent. So she's an agent over in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, for anyone who's listening who might be in Grand Rapids, definitely get in touch with Mary Fashoni. She's amazing. Um, she took me under her wing and she booked me on Somerset Mall, which is the biggest mall in Michigan. Uh, She booked me on some modeling jobs, promo jobs. So I learned about promos and, you know, you have to have a certain personality for it, very outgoing and personable and, you know, working with people. So I started doing that locally in Michigan and, um, to get in the union, to be union at the time, you needed three Taft Hartleys. Um, before you could be in the union or one speaking role, but you can't get a speaking role 
unless you're in the union. So it's a catch 22. So I was able to get on two productions in Michigan um, and I got two Taft Hartleys. And then um, when I went to California, I knew one person and you only need to know one person. I knew Gordon Michaels, um, who's from Cuba, but his you know, mom grew up in Michigan down the street from my grandmother. And I took an acting workshop with him in Michigan when he was there. I heard about it. And when I went to California, I aligned with him and he's Dylan McDermott's best friend and acting coach. And he was working with him at the time on the practice. And um, and they put me on the show. And and I so I had my third Taft-Hartley. And the next day I just, you know, I was like strutting to the union on Wilshire. And I was so excited to like, pay money and be like, here you go, take the money, you know, to put me, put me a part of the union. So those are some stories of like how I first got started in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, this is going to seem like a long one, long winded intro to the thing that I'm about to ask, but like it, it's a good thing that you sort of focus a lot on sort of the kind of spiritual side of like embracing yourself and the divine femininity and sort of thing, because it, it seems like from a very young age, you've been involved in these industries that are so focused on like what your face is, what your sort of outer appearance is and what you're kind of presenting to other people rather than what is inside of you. So I guess how do you kind of uh, or I guess how have you been able to survive in sort of a a world that kind of doesn't seem to look at you inside as you uh, are supposed to kind of be a human being who has stuff inside, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big question. It's an important question. Um, you just have to, you know, there's a public persona, you know, of how we want people to perceive us and how we want to perceive our perceive ourselves. So we have a public persona, but then when we're not in that public persona, what are we doing in the space in between? You know, it's in it's my it's in my new album, Dreamland Eleven Eleven, the space in between. What are we doing in those moments in the space in between? That's the infinite intelligence. So if we're showing up and we're having a public persona in the workplace or with people or at school and wherever, when we're at home, do we talk to ourselves and say, Hey, that was like really inauthentic of me? Are we aware that we're doing it? Are we aware that we're doing it and we're allowing it to be? Are we aware that we're numb to it? Are we aware that we're not aware. You know what I mean? So it's taking that time and then for ourselves and the silence and the infinite intelligence to be able to shape shift. That's why people say journal, write, write it out. So you can get it out of the mind. We get it out of the heart, out of the body. So I can, you know, I'll do like a 40 day journal. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do a 40 day commitment. I'm going to put all my joys. I'm going to put all my bothersomes and I'll put all my joys and then after the 40 days, I'll look back and I'll circle all the things that are similar, like toes in the sand, toes in the sand. It means I want to be by the beach and get my toes in the sand. You know what I mean? Like, like listen to my spirit, listen to my body, listen to what I'm saying that I want to do because then everything else will be aligned. Ah, fresh breath of air. I'll be in harmony. I'll be in heaven. I'll take some stress off. Maybe, you know, I, I'll release some of this cortisol in, in my gut. You know, we release all this, all this, all these stress hormones in our, in our gut. And we have so much inflammation because we're holding so much stress 
in so many areas of our body, but maybe toes in the sand means I'm going to be able to get to homeostasis and, you know, have my equilibrium be, um, imbalanced, like attuned. So, um, another thing like bothersome, like, oh, this person, this person, this person, Okay, but I but then I'm on the hook because I can't get rid of this person. I need to have this person. You think you need to have them like you like like you just like you're like air that you're breathing like you need to have this, but we're so attached to things that we think we're attached to that we're really not. But if this person's in your life, you're like, oh, I'm their caretaker. I have to take care of them. But you don't understand. I don't have a different circumstance. No, no. Everyone has excuses. Everyone has circumstances. It's how we respond to them, right? It's how we react to them. It's how we respond to them. So for example, a hack could be like, if I'm writing down this bothersome journal and this person keeps coming up and it's like, yo, like, like I'm talking to this person four times a week and I'm giving them an hour of my attention. That's four times a week. That's 16 times a month. Okay, so I'm going to show up next time. I'm going to give them 45 minutes. I'm going to show up next time. I'm going to give that person 40 minutes, 30 minutes. And then you're like, and then you're like, oh, a month later, I'm only giving this person half the time, two hours, because I feel like I have to give them. But what you're doing is while you're giving them like half the time that you were giving them, you're allowing and gifting yourself your energy, your space, your time back for you, for a clean canvas and for what you may want to have more of in your life. So some, instead of doing all or nothing, you can, um, you know, wean off it, wean off it. If you're talking to someone for 30 minutes, talk to them for 15 minutes, you know, like start being more authentic to self. Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome thing. Um, so I guess tell me about more of your musical story. You, you've been a touring musician. You've been releasing music in a bunch of different means. So tell me uh, some of those uh, approaches. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, Dreamland 1111 as of as of 1111 is streaming everywhere. It's EDM music. So um, it's it's um, dubstep and future trap and growing up in the Detroit electronic music scene, you know, as a kid, I was around all these sounds and vibrations and um, all these different ways of being with music and an exploration. And I remember how it made me feel and how it got me outside of my own muck and outside of my own mind and more into my body. And I just think it's such a beautiful blessing to come out with my debut solo album under St. Kiriaki, my birth name, and represent divine femininity in all genders. So breaking down the male gender role, female gender role, and it's divine femininity in females, in males, in all genders, and uh, claiming and reclaiming one's power. So I know how powerful you are and the listener tuning in. You're very powerful. And we forget how powerful we are and we forget how to access our power and how to tap into our power. I know because I am so powerful. I was born knowing how powerful I was, had this strict confidence about me and was very blessed along the way. And then somehow through the journey of life, um, felt depression, felt fear, felt um, insecurity, felt unworthy, felt sad, like just in an ocean of unknowing. And I thought I knew it all. And it was just like really 
like um, getting past my own ego and allowing transformation and losing myself to allow myself to find myself again. Not the way I was, that's done, but in a new way and bring the tools that worked for me and show up for myself in a new way. And it took a long time. I was very desperate and I didn't know if I was ever going to connect. And I did. And I had faith and I really did. And I connected. So the album Dreamland 11 and 11 is all about claiming and reclaiming one's power. Um, so um, and I have poetry and, you know, exploring those um, sentiments. So I hope you really enjoy it. So I guess what is your creative approach uh since you kind of have such a varied output as working in film and producing and directing and uh making music and whatever it might be I, I guess uh what is your approach to creativity to creating something do you sit back and think oh this idea I have is going to be a song for my album or this idea I have is going to be a short film whatever like how do you uh approach your creativity? Yeah, I approach my creativity kind of like if on a stove where it's um, they're all on and one's in the back, water's boiling and it has to boil. And another one, there's soup and you have to add spices and some one, the, something's simmering in the back and I rotate it all, right? I do everything in a rotation. Same thing with my music, with my art, paintings, my podcast, she's all over the place, my popular podcast, acting in TV and film. I put it in rotation. So I prepared, for example, I prepared, um, I made these beats like probably a year ago and during the pandemic, but then I decided I'm going to come out with a debut solo album because I have a, a duo, The Sophisticated Psychos with Nikki Scorpio. And before that I had Katie Coco when I went on tour of 50 Cent and G Unit around Europe and South Africa. And I was opening in front of 18,000 people and I was going by Katie Coco, like Lady Gaga, right? Um, and they were like wanting to make me like the next Britney Spears, but they weren't like getting my sound, which had an EDM vibe to it. And then I partnered up with Nikki Scorpio, shout out Nikki Scorpio. And he is doing, and we have the sophisticated psychos and we put quantum physics into our music, um, sophageal healing frequencies. And he did his solo project, Nikki Scorpio. And then the sophisticated psychos turned into not only music, it birthed into production where we both produce, I direct, we're both acting, he's doing the coloring, the editing, the post-production, mixing, engineering, all that stuff. So the TSP turned into The Sophisticated Psychos, and we've produced content with our um, you know, producing partner, Ollie Sandra Levy. So everything kind of just bridges and morphs into one and the other, and it bursts. We have, we have a, a lockdown comedy web series that we put into the international film festival circuit and we're over 27 official selections we won over 17 awards for best web series best director for four i won best actor for four and so that has a life of its own and so while that was happening and then i'm meditating and i'm reflecting all this stuff that's happening and you're like how can the energy be reciprocal how can the energy be reciprocal because i'm creating and putting this out there but how can you make it turn pivot shift turn pivot shift so then I'm thinking, okay, we have TSP, we have our music, he's doing his solo project. Um, like we have the couples therapy for production. And I know for me, I want to get back on screen and be a household name, household name in TV and film. Well, with social media now, not from when I first started in 2001, when I first came to California, 
But when I, you know, the way social media is now, I have a lot of casting directors, directors, producers who follow me on my social media platforms. And it's all about like content creators and what you're putting out there and things like that. So I thought, oh, I do voiceovers. I'm an actor. I direct, I produce. I have these amazing um, songs, beats that I made. So I landed in California and I'm like, I'm for my birthday, I'm going to release my EP. It's going to be a solo album. The EP birthed into a full album, Dreamland 1111, 11 songs on 1111. It was released. I went out and manifested and as a director producer shot six locations in one day in less than six hours. And I had no idea till I got home and looked at the footage, but I shot two music videos in one day. So it ended up being one music video to two music videos. I sent it to Nikki. So it was produced under the sophisticated psychos. And he did the editing, the coloring. There was notes going back and forth for like less than 60 days, but a lot of back and forth. And then I, um, had these two music videos. But what I did was I had these two art music videos. And then I'm doing I'm doing poetry on four out of the 11. I'm doing poetry. So what I did was in the in the modern day of the 21st century, I have these videos that I put on my social media. So directors, producers, agents, talent, people can see me. They can see me, Katie Chinakas, as an actor. They can hear Katie Chinakis, my voice, and then call my team to say, we want to hire her in this VO campaign, or we want to hire her in this movie or TV show. So although I release a musical album, right, I did it under the umbrella of showing myself as an actor, as a creator, as an artist, as a storyteller. So they all go hand in hand. Yeah. Everything is everything. Yeah. <laughs> going into kind of uh, more, I guess, specific things, what is kind of a deep nitty gritty or advanced thing that you feel like no one would notice, but like you feel is a thing that you're really proud of, like getting right? Honestly, uh, a nitty gritty thing is sometimes when you're doing something in the moment, you're like, yeah, you feel it like, yeah, oh my God. Like I remember like, um, like 50 always talks about um, you know, his first album, right? When you were like raw, gritty, you're trying to make it. And then you're always trying to catch that high of the first one, right? And then it's like artists are always trying to catch the high. So like sometimes you're in the moment and you feel it special and you know it's special, but knowing what I know, being around the world and working in entertainment in all areas that I have thus far and just growing wiser and getting more grounded in reality of, reality of art and then reality of, um, you know, other things that happen into the world, um, that are, you know, really real for people as well. Um, I really grounded myself to be like, wow, eleven eleven is my birthday and I'm releasing this music because it's how I feel. It's what I love. And um, I'm doing it for me. And that's my gift to you. So in Western civilization, it's, you know, very immature and very young. What can I get? What are you giving me? How, what can I get? But in Eastern traditions, when you show up to a, a yoga class or a party or event, the person who has the birthday brings the gifts for everyone else and honors the other person. 
thank you for knowing me. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a part of my journey. So 11-11, my birthday, you know, it's, it's exactly that. It's, you know, I have this beautiful art that I created that were my gifts from the universe through sound, through music, through something that I love so much. And I'm putting that out there. And on my birthday, which is special for me, but it's for you. And then not only did I release it on my birthday, the album, but I released two music videos. So that's another gift. That's another gift. And I put it on the blockchain as, as NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens. So for me, it's like pretty prolific, whereas now micro people in my community see, acknowledge and know what's going on. But I think later on, let's say, and we reflected back on 11-11-2021 and people are like, oh my God, you did that on 11-11-2021. It'll show people my character. It'll show people where I was, who I was, how I showed up. And I think those are important things that people have to remember and to know that even though we're not getting that gratification right then, or we might get we might get gratification or we might not, or it might not be as big as we had hoped it could be that the, the seeds that we plant now, what we nourish now will grow and we can look back and enjoy the fruits of our labor, you know? So people who haven't gotten started, who haven't, who feel like they haven't done much, it's like take one step at a time, you know? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> What's something people don't normally know about you? Mm, it's a very good question. I have misophonia. The president of the Misophonia Institute was on my podcast. If you want to listen and learn more about it, misophoniainstitute.org. He's um, Tom Doiger, who's on my podcast. Uh, they say like three out of four people don't know they have it. The autonomic, the on autonomic, autonomic nervous system, like will just go haywire, go crazy. Like you can't even think straight because like, for me, it's motor sounds. So if there's a weed whacker, a lawnmower, a blow dryer, anything with the motor sound, every it, it hits our physical body. It, it's an intuitive hit. It hits our body, everyone in different places. Me, it's my throat. I'll stop breathing. And if I stop breathing, the the blood flow, you know, becomes limited. And I just, I need to, what's called scuba breathe. So I, I'll scuba breathe, slow in, slow out and I'll take a couple of those scuba breaths and I'll go from like it's zero to a seven and it'll go down from like a seven to like a three or a four through scuba breathing. I can escalate it. It escalates and I can just through a couple breaths, I can bring it back down. Most people think they have anger issues. Most people have this rage and this anger and they're not aware that they're just sensitive. Like um, you know, the the divine femininity that I was talking about being sensorial beings, being in tune with our feelings. People want to be so hard and put up a shield and knock it away and ignore it. But it's your nervous system. And what happens is as human beings, we have our hearts as that's the very first thing that comes as a heartbeat. And right after is our central nervous system, right? So we're very sensitive. I'm really into um, behavioral science also, if those are some things people probably don't know about me. Cool. Uh, and I guess I'm sorry, but it's also part of the experience that makes you you. Um. <laughs> 1,000. 
What advice do you have for people wanting to get into what you do? Call me up and coach with me, chinakas.com. I do industry coaching with people and um, I love seeing people flourish on their journeys. Everyone's in on a different journey. You know, I have people I coach with once a month and they have a six month plan. Some coach with me once every two weeks. And, um, you know, I, I, I help them plant, sow seeds. I help them sow seeds and everyone it's different. If you're DJ, modeling, acting, music, TV, film, producer, photographer, like whatever it is, I give you the tools, the education, the books, um, the, the mindset, cause it's mind, body, spirit. And being a cross country runner, I have been coached my whole life. Like I have coaches. I work with coaches every single day. Um, when I do my voiceovers, I am, I'm, I'm part of a voiceover club and I have coaches and I book a time and they coach me. I'll just bring all my, um, materials to the table, whatever I do in that 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however much I book or book literally, then, um, we just, they coach me. Okay. That was good. Now do this or less of this. Listen, let's, let's keep one, three and five. Let's pick up this. So you have a coach and same thing with acting. You can do virtual coaching, like coaching, like Jennifer Lopez, Will Smith, Aaron Spizer, um, is an acting coach when he, when Will Smith and Jennifer Lopez are on a studio set, Aaron Spizer's with them for three months working on the movie. Susan Batson, my personal acting coach. She's in New York. She has a book called Truth, T-R-U-T-H. Amazing book. Uh, highly recommend it. It's a blue cover. She's Nicole Kimmins' personal acting coach for over 18 years. Juliette Binoche, Oprah, Madonna, Liv Tyler, Zac Efron, Usher. Like, like Nicole Kimmon has never had an acting or acting class in her life. She's only had coaches. All the best talent have coaches. Be coachable. Get coached. The best investment you're going to make is in yourself, not anyone else. I already did that. I put so much attention thinking someone else is going to, you know, someone, something on the outside was going to fulfill me on the inside. No, it's when I took actionable steps to fulfill myself on the inside is when I really felt fulfilled. And then everything started to flourish. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Switching gears into the questions that make bit depth what it is. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Mm, they they play equal roles. I grew up Greek Orthodox Christian, and uh, I think it's really beautiful to have that as an identity. And that's how I look at it as an identity, as like a deck of cards, right? There's 52 deck of cards, and I was gifted this. You were gifted what you were gifted, being from Venezuela. Everyone has their own identity, Africa, you know, um, Japan. And it's so cool to be able to dismantle from our identities and just observe, this is what you have. This is what you have. And as an actor observe, you know, oh, this is what she has. This is what he has. And and just looking and, um, and spirituality is something that just grows and goes through me. It's like this flow, right? Um, and in my church, we grew up with Himes. So we grew up with chants and, um, you know, the priest speaking Greek in another language. So like when I was a kid, I didn't even understand like the language because it was, you know, like a foreign language, literally. (laughs) But um, spirituality is so important. I I think through language and communication, reading the poets and reading books, we can understand language and you know, society and religion and spirituality more. And I feel by traveling and interconnecting with other humans, 
we get to have the spiritual experience and apply what we learn in the churches, apply what we learn in the books, apply what we learned in our homes growing up and be able to share that with one another through connectivity and through spirituality. That's how we can, you know, learn and feel more and grow together. What is your definition of God? Mm, this, this right here, this is definitely the definition of God. I mean, everything you're seeing right now, everything I'm seeing is from God. Like everything was created by the one and only creator, right? God. And so God for me is a faith and a knowing and a deep knowing. And trust me, I cry and call out to God all the time. And I'm just like, you know, like, you know, are you with me? Like, you know, I thought you were with me, but are you really here? You know? And, um, you know, there's, you know, there's those signs. So you just like aware and, you know, it's like, oh yeah, of course. I'm, I'm just like a walking, talking billboard of who God is and, and what, you know, what, um, what I believe, you know, it's, it's a belief. And so it's different for everyone. And, you know, it doesn't matter on our highest days or the darkest of our sorrows. Uh, I feel like God is always there, like the ocean. You don't know if it's going to be low tide, high tide, if it's going to be smooth or choppy. It doesn't matter. We're all in it together, like all the people on the planet, you know, like we're all in it together. So I feel that is the, you know, my definition of who God is and, um, you know, just a giver and he gave us life. So, um, you know, and I mean, I said he gave us life. So it's, you know, but it, Mother Earth you know, the, the creator. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What do you think happens when we die? Oh, when we, when we die, I think we all laugh. <laughs> I think we all laugh at all the stuff that went on. And I think we're all like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, that's why that happened. Because in real life, I see so many times people being so, so, so short-sighted. And it's like, if they only knew, but I think a lot of those people probably see it later on. But I think, I think we all, we all get to know and we all get to see why everything happened the way it did. And I feel like we all come into unity and understand that this was some kind of playground, but there's, there's more that happens mm. when we're not actually in this physical plane. Cool. <laughs> How do you determine what good behavior is? Yeah, that's that's a good one. I have to check in with myself too. I think, um, you know, I don't want to be so egotistical to say it's like, oh, if I feel like it's good, then it's good because I've done that. And then just because I think it's good doesn't mean it's actually good just because I thought it was good or because I thought it wasn't good, you know? So I think it's important to talk with, a community of friends and people and even outside of our circumstances, more so outside of our circumstances of people who already know us and get into some chat rooms and maybe clubhouses and just get outside of our circumstances to connect and see what strums your heart. If something strums your heart, it's like, oh my God, like that feels really good. That's good behavior. Like look at the actionable steps of people you admire or Olympians or people, I went to an event 
last week about, um, you know, saving the wolves and how people are slaughtering 3000 wolves per day. And it's violent. And it's, you know, they're raping these wolves and killing them. And they're raping, um, you know, um, Native Americans and Native American girls and, you know, in Montana, and these semi trucks are coming and going. And, you know, we all know the semi trucks that come and go, and then they sleep in their, their semi. Well, they're, they were showing documentaries, this guy Rain made about how people are, um, you know, these semi-truck people are pulling over in Montana to quote unquote sleep, but they're raping these little girls and a lot of them die. And there's these indigenous um, communities. So, you know, it's, it's who, who are you admiring, right? What you see on the news, what you see on TV, right? Like, and I saw all the people I was invited to this event because it's, um, Sedona um, Film Week for the film festival. And then they have the um, the Wolf Conference that's every year. And it was the first Wolf Conference in Los Angeles. And I saw the people like Leonardo DiCaprio and like all these people and some of them I knew. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I want to stand. I want to be a voice. Like, what am I doing? I'm inspiring. How am I inspiring? Okay, what am I a part of? You know, so it's like, this is this feels good to me. I love wolves. I, I loathe rape. I loathe violence. I appreciate kindness. So that feels good to me. So that's something I'll be a part of. So what can I do then? Let's talk about it right now. Communicate it like I am and for you and for the person tuning in and to remember to keep continuing it and have rain on my popular podcast. And I did a TikTok about it to educate people. And so that's how we can know what's good, feel what's good, share the goodness with others. And whoever flocks and joins, that's good. And the people who don't, I'm not judging them. That's okay. They want to do what's good for them. Cool. Yeah. How do we reduce the division between people? Right here. Podcasting, chatting, talking about it giving space, really listening when you're asking a question like, hey, what do you think about ABC? Listen to the, like, if you hear people, they'll they'll show you who they are. Listen to them, believe them. Be like, okay, cool. Yeah, I totally identify with A and C. Is it cool to talk about B or should we do it another time? Maybe it's going to trigger. Maybe it's like, okay, I know A, B, and C. I identify with A and C. That's cool. And then maybe B, we, now that I know B, maybe we have a conversation at another time and more people are involved. So it's a bigger collective and it's not just a one-on-one kind of thing. It's a fine dance. It's the subtle energies and it's the emotional intelligence of being aware when you're like cutting someone down. If you're asking someone a question and then you're ripping it away and saying, no, that's not so, you just ask the person to tell you, even if it's right or wrong or weak or strong or whatever, like you ask the person a question, right? Or even if you didn't, and then taking it away from them is like, not okay. Even if you don't ask someone the question and they give you the information, people show you their cards. When they speak, listen, you know, even if you didn't ask, a lot of people will reveal themselves before you even ask the question. And sometimes it's what they're not saying. When you ask the question, you learn more by what they're saying or what they're not saying sometimes indirectly. So it's it's an awareness, right? And to come from an observational standpoint to understand we all have our differences and sometimes things can't be communicated. Some people can't communicate 
eloquently or have the verbiage or they've been traumatized to not share their feelings and not talk. So it's difficult. So maybe through coloring, maybe through texting or maybe through a chat or because sometimes you can communicate easier when it's, um you know, written down on tech or something. Or so maybe there's like a collective Google Doc that goes back and forth. It depends how many people are involved to get to the nitty gritty of, you know, the core of what what really matters and how we can shape shift for better communication, better experiences, and, you know, better everything. But it's a continuum. It's it's ever everlasting, like consciousness, like life, you know? Yeah. Do you believe humans are evil by nature? No, I do not think humans are evil by nature. No, I feel it's generational trauma. My grandparents didn't get the opportunity. My mom didn't get the opportunity. Why should they give you the opportunity? Why, why, why should I give you the opportunity if you didn't give me the opportunity? But it's no, I, I didn't have the opportunity. I yearn for the opportunity. I'm going to gift these people the opportunity because I didn't have it and I want it. So that's breaking generational trauma, right? So showing up and when we give and we show up and we lean in, we're creating space for them to have something we maybe didn't have, but then we're filling our cup by seeing their joy and fulfillment. But the evilness that happens with the people are psychologically twisted and they've just been misled. And they're very, very hurt. And those people need more love and compassion. A short story is this. Child Protective Services, God bless their souls. Everyone's just doing their best. Low income, not a lot of money. It's a lot of back and forth. They don't want to take kids out of the system. They don't. And it's it's a very rare thing of when they'll do. Like I had the head of CPS in Michigan tell me, unless the kid has a cracked head or like they see the mother doing heroin or something, they're not taking the kid out of the home. Like they're not doing it. And the thing is, when and the, look, look what's happening to the kids. And they're around abusive people. They're around things that they shouldn't be around when they should be having a healthy school environment. But then what happens? Those kids get to their 20s, 30s. They become adults. They're rough. They're edged. They're rough edged. They're, they're small-minded. They've been abused. They've been dumbed down. Um, they're having kids there. It's a cycle and they're, they're doing it to their kids and then they want something better for themselves. And then they end up doing the same thing that was done to them. It's very, very sad. And I've seen it so much. It's very sad, but that same kid where you're sending child protective services and wanting to help the poor kid is the same person who becomes the adult and has the kid. And now you're, you're, they're in Costco or you're walking down the street and you're like, look what that person's wearing or, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing that. But that person you're pointing at is still that little kid who didn't know any better. So it's like, they're blaming them as adults. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going more on the positive side, what are you optimistic about for our future? I'm optimistic about the blockchain and the way we do business with cryptocurrencies um, and exchanges. I think it's going to break down some systems that weren't serving us. Um, I think it's going to dismantle some of the, um, you know, generational traumas and communications that has happened in our ecosphere. Uh, I think it's going to be um, better for not only humanity, um, but for artists as well. <laughs> Um, reclaiming our power, 
and uh, you know how we're um, gifting our our works out into the world and having it be more reciprocated and appreciated, which is really important. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about just inspiring others and making a, an impact. And I'm so happy with all the people who are showing up and utilizing their voices and making an impact. And the people who are talking about these things that we're talking about today, um, the leaders, the forefront people on the leaders and all, you know, the younger generation just being open and they're so intelligent and they're just gravitating towards it, you know, so to filter out the dark um, and to embrace the light more. And I'm so happy to be so young and a part of the collective experience that we're having right now on the planet and to be a part of it. Amazing. <laughs> what makes you content? Content. What's the definition of content? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's different from uh, happy. I used to ask the question, what makes you happy on the podcast? And then someone uh, called me out and was like, happiness is overrated, but I seek out contentment. Contentment is sort of a kind of peaceful happiness rather than just pure joy, which is fleeting. Yeah. In a state of peaceful happiness. Okay. Yeah. So what have, what makes me very content is being here right now, adding value and sharing this moment that makes me really happy. Um, also I love the spa. <laughs> I love getting massages. That's bliss. Any, any, anytime my toes are in the sand, I'm on the beach and the sun's hitting my beautiful skin and I'm with mother nature this is probably the most content I could ever be reading poetry, reading poetry, listening to music. Uh, those things make me very content. Yeah. Two more questions for you. What advice do you have for people in general? Uh, in general, I mean, that could be very, that could be very big, but I guess the most important thing is, um, health is wealth. Um, health is not money health is wealth. And what we put into our bodies is what we're going to get out. So environmental toxins, um, electronical, um, electronics toxins, um, physical toxins, like what we process foods, like things we put into our body, um, people we talk to things we put into our, our mind to our psyche, you know, um, yeah, quantum detoxification. So uh, generally, I would just say, the most important thing I feel is kindness. And um, I know because I know how it is to cut someone down and I'm really good at it. And I can cut someone down with my tongue like a butcher knife in two seconds and deteriorate their souls and their egos and just make them feel horrible. And I feel horrible afterwards. And I don't like that feeling. And um, I don't like to be around people who are mean and I've been around a lot of people who are mean and I've been around a lot of people who have tried to play me small. And so um, I think, you know, I think during this time, the last year and a half, we've really realized that we're all going, we all have stuff going on. We knew it before, but now more than ever. So I think kindness, um, not only for others, but for ourselves, it starts with ourselves first and foremost, because if we're being mean to someone else, we're just being double, double the times harder on ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? Jeez, cake or pie? Are you really going to do that to me? <laughs> oh my God, I had this, I want to say pie, but I think cake. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> what, what, kind of, what kind of cake or pie? Uh, well, I guess it, the, I always add to the end of that question, like what is the best 
cake and what is the best pie to you? Chocolate cake, cherry pie, vegan. Chocolate, vegan, cake for sure. Uh, Cherry pie, pumpkin pie, apple pie. I mean, one of those pies, I'm good. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Katie, thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, Where can we... Where can we, where can everyone find you and your things? Thank you, Santiago. I appreciate you. And to everyone uh, tuning in, appreciate you being here with us to the end. Uh, Chinacas.com, C-H-O-N-A-C-A-S, Chinacas.com. I'm sure they'll be in the show notes. And uh, I'm on all social media platforms. So TikTok, Clubhouse, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. Um, you know, find me there. Just Google my name. You'll It'll pop up, Chinacas.com. What up? Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And get the book, A Lover's Fairy Tale. We have merch for Dreamland 1111. So all the links are on Chinakas.com. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm Santiago Ramones. Katie Chinakas. Woohoo. And now here's Miracles Go to Mars by St. Kiriaki.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can buy it on Bandcamp because a single purchase is the monetary equivalent of streaming it all day, every day, for about a week. I'm working on an album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, you can buy my music or you can support me on Patreon. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews saying how much you like the podcast, and tell your friends about it. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. Yep, yep. It's going to be okay. Yes, I yes. might be wrong. Yep, yep. <laughs>